Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per mile. We're at the Technology and Maintenance Council annual meeting in beautiful Orlando, Florida. The theme of the show is electrifying performance in maintenance management. My guest today is John Adaby from Northwest Heavy Duty. John is a returning guest. You can learn about how the OEM strategy is impacting the aftermarket by going back and listening to episode 85. We'll have links in the show notes. John, returning guest, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report, but this time in person. So yes. great to see you. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. Yeah, I've, I've really been looking forward to this. This past couple of years actually has taught us some lessons and, and moved us forward in some ways, but overall, it's something I'd like to forget about. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely all are looking forward to uh, better times ahead. So you work with manufacturers of commercial equipment and what I was interested in learning from you is what are fleets asking for from the manufacturers right now in 2022? You know, we're at this event. It's for the fleets. Mm-hmm. The manufacturers are here. What do the fleets need? Well, I think it's pretty clear, Jamie, that what the fleets need desperately is trucks and truck parts because uh, both of those resources are in short supply. But that is just a situational topic. That is something that's affected all of us because of the su- supply chain. And now, of course, energy prices have gone through the roof. So they're looking uh, at, at ways they can mitigate the impact of that on their business. So there's very some very near-term or short-term needs that they have. How do I keep the equipment that I have operational? And how do I position myself to get new equipment? Because both of the, there's a scarcity in both those areas. But there are some other longer-term needs. When you ask that very general question, fleets need trucks that are even more efficient than they are today. They need those trucks to be as safe as possible. And they need their operation to be clean. You know, there's this ongoing theme around uh, zero emissions, and it's real, and it's going to be a more prominent conversation going forward. Right. So when I think about uh, a word that I keep hearing in all of our discussions here at TMC, I keep hearing the word utilization. Why is that so important and such a focus now for fleets right now, again, in 2022? But, but why is that going to be an ongoing concern moving forward? It's going to be an ongoing concern because it's always been a concern, right? These are businesses, uh, they have this huge investment in assets and, and they're successful because they get a good return on those assets. And it's, it's simple math. If, if the trucks aren't rolling, they're not generating a return. So what has shifted a little bit perhaps is, you know, the ways we are able to measure, uh, and predict, you know, utilization. There are people like Sandeep Carr that can speak much more eloquently than myself 
about uh, where data is being generated and how it can be used effectively. So I, I believe I would suggest that utilization has always been important. Um, but as we try to get the greatest return on these assets, we need better tools and more of them to predict, you know, and manage vehicle downtime, vehicle uptime, depending on your perspective. When I think about talking to fleets, uh, one thing that they learned, this wasn't in the notes, but as mm-hmm. it comes to my mind, one thing that a lot of fleets learned about during the supply chain shortages, especially in 2021, now bleeding into 2022, they learned that losing visibility of their parts is actually a much bigger problem and is costing them way more than they, they thought. And one fleet put it to me this way. He's, they said that the, the repair technician shortage actually kind of covered over how much losing visibility of parts was costing them. And now with all of the emphasis on supply chain, it, it, it kind of rose to the consciousness level mm-hmm. of everyone who's measuring this. And they're, they're mm-hmm. saying, my goodness, this is costing us. How do you think the people who manufacture parts and who are making them available are going to be able to help fleets with that issue, making the parts more visible? from the moment they order them to the moment that they get them? Well, that's a great question. I can tell you uh, I was involved last week in a site visit where one of the suppliers we partner with very closely uh, entertained a product marketing manager from one of the vehicle OEMs. And uh, that product marketing manager was there to learn about the supplier um, but at the same time, she was there to kind of give some visibility into their thoughts uh, of where the parts business is going, what are their important objectives for 2022. And that topic of whether it's dealer-managed inventory uh, or other programs uh, along those lines, um, are I can t- assure you they're top of mind for the vehicle OEMs. And in the independent aftermarket, there has to be something complementary, something similar that's doing the same thing. It is not easy to, at a specific uh, dealer location or a specific part shop, to predict what the demand is going to be for a, a particular component. But as you back out to the regional level or back out even further to the national level, you have the benefit of data to see exactly what type of technology is in demand. It might be brake pads, it might be any number of filters or other components, but the higher level the view is, the better the picture of demand is. And at that level, you can force inventory into the local warehouses. And then in turn, those warehouses can make suggestions to the specific dealerships. The same model, of course, applies on the independent side. If you have a nationwide distribution network, you can look at the data in that way. And then, again, now the local dealer has a choice. Do I accept this recommendation or do I go with my gut? And I think going with your gut, it's not going to be the ideal business model going forward. Not when the data is that good. It's a cultural shift to suggest that uh, the computer back at corporate headquarters knows my business better than I do. But I think a lot of dealers will uh, employ that strategy and it will be successful for them. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't have a heavy-duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. 
Looking for high-quality fuel injection for heavy-duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line, which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. We're back from our break, and uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the things that fleets need moving forward. John, I'd like to talk to you a little bit. At, at TMC's annual meeting, the theme is electrifying performance in maintenance management, and that was the part that I wanted to kind of focus in on. So how is electrification going to impact maintenance management in the future? Electrification certainly brings a lot of challenges. Anybody could debate when that transition might happen. But I think you look at the vehicle complexity and you immediately realize that electrified vehicles just don't have as many moving parts. That's obvious. Um, Another perhaps obvious point is that In an electrified vehicle, you lose some of the traditional entry points where the repair process starts, right? If you know you have to bring in a vehicle at 10, 15, 20, 25,000 miles for lubricants, and you take that out, and you present someone with a vehicle that basically doesn't need to be checked out for 100,000 miles, you've lost those incremental opportunities for someone to look the vehicle over and make suggestions, examine this, fix that, et cetera. So there can be a doom and gloom attitude towards um, the maintenance and the servicing of electrified vehicles. Um, I would like to suggest there are other offsetting opportunities that are presented. First of all, there's some key parts of the vehicle that will have to be maintained appropriately. You, you still have an air brake system, you, depending on the size of the vehicle, of course. Air brake system, HVAC system, the, the cab seating, etc which will require maintenance. But um, some of those newer companies that are coming into that space, they might be coming in without a strong dealer network or a robust parts distribution process. I think there's a lot of opportunity for support companies to come alongside of that and, and provide those maybe as a third-party provider. It's a little bit early to, you know, for the crystal ball to, to be all that accurate, um, it's going to be change, and change is always difficult, but the opportunities are going to be out there. These vehicles are not going to, they are going to break down, and they're not going to fix themselves. Well, John, that's why I wanted to get it on camera, so I can look back on it and see how accurate these <laughs> predictions are. <laughs> John, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, I have really enjoyed my membership as a TMC member, but it's, mm-hmm. it, I've only been a member now, not even a full year. And for those people who maybe are sitting on the fence as to becoming a member, or maybe they're just learning about the Technology and Maintenance Council, why should people consider being a member regardless of where in the trucking industry they currently work? How much time do we have? (laughs) Look, I'm undoubtedly biased when it comes to that topic. I was aware myself of TMC probably in the very late 1980s, uh, came to my first event down in Kissimmee, Florida in 89 uh, and again in 90. And to be honest, I thought it was another truck show. I thought it was a replica of the Mid-America Truck Show in Louisville or something like it. And uh, it wasn't until I switched employers the following year that they said, oh, no, 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 you've missed the whole point. And uh, I came to the meeting in 1992 as the company had had um, bought into TMC and, and was a full member of TMC. And 
they registered for the entire event, not just the trade show. And it was like, you know, the curtain was pulled back in the Wizard of Oz. You're like, oh my goodness, this, this is entirely something different. And it was, it was different to the point of being overwhelming. It was confusing how many things were going on. Um, I had the fortunate experience to be mentored by some, some really good people from the start. Uh, people that, you know, either within my own employer or other people that I, that I met early in the process. And they, first of all, let me answer at a very high level. TMC is uniquely positioned to bring together key constituent parts of our industry. It started with the fleets and it started over 65 years ago when they realized that there were some issues that they had to tackle together. They had to collaborate in order to get the type of equipment that they wanted. So fleets are at the heart of the TMC value proposition. If you're a fleet maintenance manager or executive, you can come here, you can network with other peers who will gladly share of their knowledge, right? Huge advantage right there. And then you have direct access to this coalition of suppliers. It might be vehicle suppliers, equipment suppliers, the majority are component and system suppliers. And those companies, if they're member companies of TMC, they're sending engineers, they're sending high-level service managers, trainers, because they, they want to present themselves in the best possible way to the fleet community and say, they're not saying, buy our product. <laughs> that is not what happens at TMC. What they're saying is, what do you need and how can I more effectively partner with you, train you, answer your questions? So you have these, these, um, constituent communities that all come together. They do it twice a year. In the spring, there's also a trade show. In the fall, there's also a technician competition, but the ongoing Emphasis, as you know, because even in one short year, you've, you've kind of opened the hood and peeked under the engine. You get it. You understand how things work. There's all this collaboration that takes place. Um, we have the collaboration taking place, generally speaking, in two big categories. One is the art of maintenance and the other is the art of vehicle design. So in one case, the suppliers are, are pushing information back to the fleets and saying, you have our after-treatment system, you have our seats, you have our trailer floors, here's how to repair them, to maintain them, to, to predict, you know, what might happen to them over time. And this information, most, you know, some of it's at the technician level, a lot of it is at the managerial level. It's helping uh, maintenance managers understand their vehicles better how to dialogue with the supplier of the vehicle, how to get the most out of the equipment that's already in their shops. That's one conversation. Then there's this other conversation that happens where the fleets are, are presenting their wish list. Those are the engineering RPs instead of the, the maintenance RPs. RP is a, a recommended practice. And these engineering RPs are a conversation about when you give us a cooling system for a bunk, we expect it to perform in this way, right? We don't want to wait forever for the temperature to drop 10 degrees from 90 ambient down to 80 or from 90 to 70. This is our expectation so that 
you know, the fleets have a platform to say, this is the vehicle that we want. Let me a- a- emphasize another part of what TMC does that is very personally um, engaging for me, and that's this conversation around the truck of the future. Um, part of our resources here are engaged in, in describing the future truck, the truck that is on the road 10 years from now. It's, it's a chance to, to look beyond today's technology and say, how much better could these vehicles be? They could be easier to maintain. Um, they could be more efficient. They could be safer. It's so many ways you can have that conversation. And what TMC does is to make this whole thing digestible and manageable, they break it up into categories. So you've got a group working on electrical. You've got another work, group working on tires and wheels. Uh, another group works on the engine. The other one works on cabs and controls and so on. You have a segment for light duty vehicles. You have a subject uh, of, the, of corrosion has a whole different track all by itself. So you come to TMC and you learn. You learn a lot. And uh, over the course of three days, there will be several tech sessions. These tech sessions will focus on a specific topic. And, and these events are planned a, a full year in advance. So you, you look at where the industry is going, what the hot topics are, and maybe you have an emissions um, regulation that's coming up. So you get a panel together to talk about that emissions regulation. And you might have someone from the EPA. You've got a vehicle manufacturer there. You've got an after-treatment company there. And you've got a fleet there. And the regulator, the regulator will tell you, here's what's coming and here's why it's coming, which is quite valuable. Sometimes we're, we feel like we're left in the dark and, and unaware and uninvolved. And then you have the vehicle OEM speaking in general terms because they're not just talking about their product. They're talking about the industry. Here's how we're going to meet this after-treatment challenge. So in 2024, we're going to have another big emissions uh, and fuel efficiency change. And, and there's going to be a lot of different technology on these vehicles, whether it's aerodynamic treatment or maybe 6x2 uh, suspension designs, powertrain designs, excuse me. This is a forum where fleet maintenance managers can get ahead of it and understand and be educated. And then there will be somebody on that panel from the fleet, and they'll be speaking truth to power. And they'll be saying, <laughs> I don't want these skirts that just you look good and then get trashed every time I go on an on-ramp, you know. So, John, as I listen to you talk about all of that, I didn't want to interrupt because you're a wealth of knowledge and you're so passionate <laughs> about it. And you covered, uh, you covered it very well. I don't want listeners, though, to think, whoa, that's like way over my head. What's beautiful about it is that it doesn't matter what level you're at. It's not a company membership, it's an individual membership. So you could be a truck driver, you could be a repair technician, you could be working at the fleets, a parts distribution company, a manufacturer. There's, there's a place for every single person in this. Your voice is important. We want to hear from you. We want you to participate in this. And so that's uh, something I wanted to emphasize. Just on a personal note, though, mm. these, these shows, I mean, COVID aside, now that we're back, it, it is fantastic. But what, what's kind of like a personal highlight when you come to one of these shows? Without a doubt, Jamie, it's the personal interaction. All right. And I might get a little philosophical or I might get emotional. I don't know. You might get both. I have been part of this industry now since uh, the fall of 83. And I am so blessed, you know, to have found a, a career that applies in several different dimensions. One of the most important things is that 
being in the transportation industry means we serve a vital role in the health of and well-being of, of all citizens in our respective countries. Um, our way of life is directly impacted by the flow of goods into our homes, into our communities, and uh, you really notice it when, when it's not happening. Um, so I'm proud of the overall mission that we fulfill. But the other thing that has been such a gift to me is that it's a small enough community that you form real relationships. And I could give you any number of examples. Um, one that uh, caught me, there's been a couple that caught me this week, but one in particular uh, was Monday morning. I, I serve on the mentor committee here and I get the privilege of, of welcoming um, people that are coming here for the first time. We might have several hundred people here for the first time and I'll only meet a handful of them. We try to but we, we, we pursue those people. We try to engage with them. And five years ago, I remember meeting Sasha, uh, for the first time and being captivated by his enthusiasm and, and energy. And, and I, I, it was a privilege to welcome him into the industry and then over subsequent meetings to check up on him and, or him check up on me. And when he came out to Seattle to have conversations with customers, he made a point of calling me up and saying, let's go to dinner, right? But on Monday of this week, you know, my heart was in my throat a little bit. I, I, he was in one of the task force meetings. I walked up to him. I said, how are you doing? Because Sasha came here from the Ukraine and he has family that was left behind there. And for us, for a few minutes to talk to each other about what's going on outside of the work arena, I, I got to tell you that makes a difference. TMC is not a church or a country club or, or something like that where relationships drive the mission. On the other hand, relationships absolutely do uh, elevate the conversation and they accelerate what we do. If you have the opportunity to sit down with people over time, you develop trust, you open up communication, and uh, there, that absolutely has a return when it comes to the business that you and I do. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and it's been nice to have John back on the show. If you want to learn more about Northwest Heavy Duty, go to nwheavyduty.com. Links are in the show notes. John, thanks for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report and for uh, coming here and doing a live one here at TMC. You know, I will do this anytime that you invite me, Jamie. It's a privilege. Thank you. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the Independent Service Channel take care of your commercial equipment.